Hey there, badass. Welcome to the Leading Rebels podcast, your bi-weekly dose of inspiring advice dished up by kick-ass female leaders. I'm your host, Kat Brandel, and this is episode three of season two, an interview with Rena Pacheco III, CEO and co-founder of Prepify, on giving back as a leader. Rena strongly believes that being given opportunities also means the responsibility to pass them on. She's the CEO and co-founder of Prepify, a free college prep website and mobile app that helps talented, underrepresented high schoolers go to top colleges. She worked previously as a senior consultant at Deloitte, assisting public sector agencies, and as an international development researcher and advocate at the Center for Global Development and the One Campaign. She also co-founded a youth outreach nonprofit, City FC Football Club, combining soccer and academics for DC public high school students. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Foreign Service from Georgetown University, a Master of Public Affairs from the University of Texas at Austin, and an MBA from MIT Sloan. Let's dive into the interview to hear from Rena how prioritizing giving back has shaped her view of what good leadership looks like. Hi, Rena. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy we can make this work. You're actually my very first nominated guest. Uh, So for those listeners that don't know, you can actually nominate speakers on leadingrebels.com. And uh, Rena was actually suggested to me by a friend in Berlin, though she is not based in Berlin, but is in the U.S. And after reading a little bit about what she does, I thought it would be an awesome guest to have on the show. But maybe, Rena, you want to introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit more about who you are, what you've done, what you're doing now. Sure, that's great. Well, I'm really happy to be able to have this conversation. So uh, excited to be able to chat with you and then hopefully be able to reach some other people. And I certainly appreciate the the nomination that came from Berlin, um, even though I'm based in the U.S. So I think that speaks to your global reach that um, a little bit about myself that I live in Austin, Texas now, and I run a startup called Prepify and Prepify. We're a website. We also have mobile apps that We are dedicated to helping increase access to college preparation materials for high school students, really helping to kind of bridge that resource divide and make sure that anybody who is motivated can be connected with what they need to go to a great college. Because the current system, you know, we have a great educational system in the U.S., but unfortunately, particularly when you get to higher education, it really perpetuates privilege. And so if you don't come from a family that went to college, or if you don't have kind of the resources within your household to afford admissions counselor, you know, a test prep tutor, all of those different elements, it can be really difficult to be competitive, um, but also to even know what your options are. And so I've been working on that for a little bit that I actually did uh, an MBA. And it was during my MBA that I got serious about working on Prepify and we essentially started with test prep. And then we realized that the problems that kind of low income and underserved students are facing, they really extend far beyond access to test prep. And so we've expanded our product offering to be the test prep, but also how to afford college and very importantly, how to apply. So it's kind of evolved over the time. And that's what I'm working on full time right now. That's amazing. I um I actually also went to school in the U.S. and I remember this was such a huge topic sitting for SATs and how to get into college and all these these different dimensions of it. I'm wondering how did you you mentioned you started this when you were actually doing your MBA, but how, what kicked off your interest in this sector? I mean, you were further along already in your education. How did you get started with Prepify? 
It was a journey that I think started when I was much younger. And then the idea for Prepify, we'd actually kind of played around with it with, you know, my husband, Dan and some friends. We had thought about it for a while. And I'd say I'll start farthest back and and then bring it up to speed in terms of uh, the more recent elements of Prepify. But I think the biggest impetus for me working on Prepify was my own experience growing up and seeing how difficult it was to make that high school to college transition that I grew up in Idaho. I have an amazing family. My parents are absolutely my role models, uh, but neither of them was able to, you know, do different personal circumstances, was able to do a bachelor's degree. And so I'm technically with my siblings, we're first generation college students. And that was an interesting thing that I think when I was going through that process and did really well in high school and kind of listened to everything that somebody would say, I tried to take advantage of all the different resources. But when it came to applying to colleges, I didn't have support that we had really friendly high school counselors, uh, but they were burdened with a really high student load. And there were other kind of pressing daily concerns that they were dealing with. And so helping somebody kind of find their best fit college, they simply didn't have the time to really dedicate to that. And I couldn't ask my parents. And I found that I really did the whole process by myself, which is pretty wild when you look at, when you contrast that with what I found some of my kind of private school counterparts had done. I went to Georgetown for my undergrad. But it was actually a conversation at a mall with someone that put Georgetown even on my radar. I hadn't even thought about it, known about it. I uh, wasn't going to be applying. So it was almost accidental that I found out about this incredible school that changed my life trajectory. Uh, when I got there, I realized that my uh, my classmates there, they had actually they had started preparing for the SAT and the ACT in middle school. And. For me, my experience was totally different, that I was used to taking admissions tests, um, or excuse me, not admissions tests, but tests in general. I was used to taking tests uh, since probably elementary school. There was this Iowa test of basic skills, and I thought it was innate ability. I'd always done well on these tests, so when people said, okay, you're going to have these tests for college, I assumed it was like that. I didn't want to ask my parents for the test prep book, and so I, I didn't prepare the way that most other students had. And, you know, thankfully I test well, but I certainly didn't maximize my score. And that's just one piece of this very complex high school to college process. And so I found that despite how motivated I had been in high school and doing everything the right way, there wasn't any resource to help kind of low income or underserved students connect to great colleges. And so it was kind of that personal element and seeing how difficult it was for myself and the the great joys that I did find out about Georgetown. And thankfully, I had, you know, pretty good transcript and, you know, application um, all come together. Uh, But the really important part was that Georgetown is need blind in admissions. So they don't care that your family doesn't make a ton of money. Uh, If you have the merit to get in, they're going to make sure that you can attend And that was a a real game changer for me. So being able to get connected to a school like that, it really opened up my world that I got to have Malin Albright as a professor. I got to intern for my senator. I got to do a study abroad in Spain. These incredible experiences and then the network that I gained from that. It was amazing. 
But the way that it worked out for me, it doesn't work out for most students whose parents didn't go to, um, you know, complete a bachelor's degree or who don't have those resources in the family. And so when I trace Prepify back, it actually goes pretty far back. Um, I can speak more to kind of the more recent elements as well. And that is when after I graduated from Georgetown with some friends, you know, I was there in D.C. and we actually started a nonprofit called City Football Club. And it was football the, the way that the rest of the world, not the U.S., thinks of football, so soccer. And <laughs> My Germans will love that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So like true football. So we had, you know, competitive uh, soccer and then we did academic mentoring. And so we helped them with their high school classes, but also thinking about preparing their resumes, doing the test prep, writing admissions essays. We help them with all of these different components. And I myself am not a soccer star. And so I actually helped on the academic side. That's what I was running. And it was awesome. We had these incredible students with these really difficult but inspiring life stories about the different obstacles they'd overcome and persisted through. And we were able to help them make that connection point to college. But it was, you know, very time intensive and it was in person. And so from that experience with City FC, when we had moved down to Texas, we'd always kind of had it in the back of our mind. Is there a way that we could do some of that reach that we had with City FC, but use technology to get a greater scale? And, you know, like I said, we started with the test prep. But it really was how can we use this model that we found, like have something that attracts the student, whether it's, you know, soccer or in the case of Prepify, kind of free resources that can help you get to that college. But have something and because of that connection point, be able to share the different types of information and help them kind of navigate that journey to be most successful. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And this is actually what I love task but I mean I'm clearly on your side here but I would love to hear from like in your own words why do you think it's important to have these diverse voices and representations in colleges to have these people there that would otherwise maybe struggle to get in or struggle to have these experiences mm-hmm. it's such a good question and what's interesting is most people don't ask that question they don't say Well, tell me about the different ways that this cohort can bring something to the college experience. Instead, I actually from, you know, you you have critics, I think, when you're working on anything. But I've, I've had people say, well, could these students even cut it? Would they be academically competitive? And, you know, there's a lot of there's kind of that negative side. But the reality is it's so it's such a clear value proposition that for me, I really like being able to talk about it because I think of the talent pool and I'm thinking about the U.S., but these are these are problems that extend beyond the U.S. Absolutely. Um, but just using the example of the U.S., we have kind of the economic makeup of the country and there's this vast talent pool. And I believe and the data confirms that talent does not exist simply at the top quartile, you know, the top 25% of the income bracket. And yet that's where the opportunities, 
the resources, the access, and that continued perpetuation, it all happens up at the top. And so what about everybody else? So when we're thinking about the great, you know, whether it's entrepreneurs, whether it's folks in the medical field, whether it's the technology innovations, rather than drawing from that full talent pool, what we're doing right now is we're actually limiting it just to the upper echelon. And that is a huge disservice to our country as well as our young individuals who are here. They're motivated, they're talented, and we aren't helping them make that high school to college jump. And I think the most telling statistic about that is that the Brookings Institution, they did a study and they found that the vast majority of high achieving, and high achieving means great test scores, great GPA, uh, the vast majority of those students simply because they're low income, so looking just at that group, they don't even apply to the top 236 colleges, not even an application. So there's this huge disconnect where these are students who would be accepted and fully funded at the top 20 schools, and yet they don't even apply to the top 236. There's a huge gap. And think of all of the incredible things that that cohort every single year, because this continues. Uh, think of everything that we're missing out because we don't have them represented, because we aren't capturing that talent and nurturing it. And and then kind of to speak a little bit more specifically to your question about on those college campuses, it's incredible. And what I really like is when you see the folks that work in admissions at some of these more competitive schools they get it because they see a student who has persisted despite very diff difficult obstacles without resources. So they've been able to create, you know, some type of value. They've been able to keep achieving. They've been able to keep moving forward despite a very difficult, kind of not amenable situation. And so the really interesting thing is what if you can take those students and you actually put them into an environment where they are supported, where they do have the resources, where they do have this network. And it's amazing because I think that uh, Malcolm Gladwell even talks about this and David and Goliath. You have these individuals, that persistence factor and everything that they've been able to do when you can actually connect them to the resources. It's amazing what can happen. And so I think for economic mobility, which I think that's one of the biggest issues in America today, and I also think it is a global issue, I think one of the biggest ways that we can address that is really making education accessible. And that doesn't just mean that it's an open application. It means that there are actually structures that will ensure if you are motivated and talented, we're going to let you know what your options are and we're going to help you along that journey. Because it's not enough just to say, well, anyone can apply. If they don't know about it, if they don't think they can get in, if they don't think they can afford to go, uh, all of those things, uh, then it's not truly accessible. And so I think it's a huge disservice for our kind of country as well as the world when we don't help kind of act that talent access that next step and then everything that comes from the college education. Yeah, I can, I absolutely see that. And that's also something that when, um, cause of course this is a little bit the field where I come from as well, um, having more women in leadership positions, for example, a lot of the arguments is like, well, why do we need it? What does it bring to the table? And the amount of like diverse ideas and, and creative and new approaches that come out of it are huge. And equally, should everybody should be 
represented at the table to create the best results possible. And this is also uh, interesting for me. How do, how's your own journey kind of developed in this area? Because of course, you've you've gone through major changes, I would say clearly from uh, where you originally grew up to um, going to Georgetown in basically the, in the capital with all that brings along being abroad and then now starting your own thing. How has your, your journey, so to say, um, shaped how you feel as a leader? When I think about leadership, it's not just what is that individual doing for themselves? I think the whole idea of leadership is what are you doing for others? And at a very deep level, the opportunities that I've had and the different resources and inputs and basically the fact that different people and institutions have taken a chance on me and that has allowed me to do the different things that I have done now. Uh, and, you know, I'll have my, my bio included as I'm doing this podcast, but after I went to Georgetown, I, I did some work and then I did a public policy master's at the University of Texas at Austin. And then I did some more work and then I did my MBA at MIT. And so I actually have two master's degrees now. And, you know, coming from kind of the background that I do, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think it's it really speaks to what my parents did, kind of that nuclear family, the opportunity, the love that they gave me. And then when it came to my education, kind of a public education, elementary, middle and high school, um, but then being able to get connected to a school like Georgetown and then continue from there, that when I think about my leadership journey, I've been in some of these instances, I'm on, I think well, probably all of them, I'm learning something through every experience and somebody is taking a chance and somebody is supporting me. And what I've learned from that is if there has been a benefit in what I've been able to do and have access to that, I have a very real responsibility to make sure that I pass that on, that it isn't, oh, well, I happened to hear about this school and get connected and boy, didn't my life turn out nicely because of that, that isn't sufficient. I don't think it's accurate that for me, if any of those investments and taking a chance opportunities are to mean anything, it's that I need to do something with this now. And so I think Prepify is part of my answer to that. It's saying this has been an interesting journey and I've learned quite a bit. I'm still young. I'm not done with my, you know, career professional experiences uh, I certainly haven't learned everything that's out there yet, but I've had some pretty unique opportunities. And so if I'm to be making the most of them, it means I'm going to help other people that were in a similar situation or a more difficult situation from myself, because it's not enough for me to say, oh, I got mine. Isn't this great? It really is about making sure that I invest it back and you always have to look behind you because somebody took a chance on you and you need to help take a chance on other people and make sure that you're kind of nurturing and being accessible to that next generation. I think that's very, very important. You've definitely had an, a very impressive trajectory. And I love the fact that you really want to give back what, what has been given to you. And since I love a good story and I think everybody does, 
I'm also sure there's been some stories that have come out of Puppify that have further emphasized your your desire to want to help these kids. Do you have anything that stood out to you where you were like, wow, this really made a difference for us? Definitely. We're technology, and so the whole idea is how can we use these online resources to reach more people at scale? And that's, you know, that can be very satisfying, of course, when you see that there's a question that we ask when students create an account. And you also don't have to be a student. You can join as a parent or as a sibling or just as an interested community member that anyone can create an account. Uh, But we do ask, why is college important to you? And it's really interesting to see what people put there. So if they are saying, I'll be the first in my family to go to college, I've had people write that they're, you know, a loved one has been sick. And so they want to become a doctor because they want to help, you know, their family member and anyone else who's dealing with it. Uh, they talk about being able to provide for themselves and their family. And it's, it's really incredible to see that. So even though I don't meet, I certainly, I wish I could, but I don't meet many of the students who are on our platform. It's incredible to see just in that little snippet the different reasons why a college education is important to them. So I really love that. Uh, but I think some of the even more satisfying, just because you get a little bit more personal, is when I've had the opportunity to meet some of the students who are on our site. Uh, so I met uh, somebody actually for coffee with her her father, and her father hadn't gone to college but was really, really supportive of his daughter and wanting to make sure that she had every opportunity in the world and what could, what could they do? And it was fascinating because she'll be the first in her family to go to college. She has this, you know, a lot of other really interesting things about her and she was completely unaware of how unique and valuable her experience was. And I think that that's something that a lot of students will feel is I'm embarrassed if my parents didn't go to college or I'm embarrassed if I come from a low income family, I'm embarrassed if I don't know about these things. And rather than it being something to be embarrassed about, I think, wow, you have this very different perspective and let's talk about why a college would think that you're interesting or what that means for the next step. And so I think being able to share with people what their value is that's one of the more satisfying um, moments. There's a, a nonprofit that works with refugee high school girls. And I met with one of their, uh, I met with some of the, the students um, a couple months ago. And like I said, they work with refugee high school girls. So these are students who have essentially seen the worst that life has to offer. And yet they continue to push forward and persist. And oftentimes they've had to learn a new language. They've had to incorporate into an entirely new culture and they have this incredible life story. And when I was talking with them, many of them thought that that was a disadvantage, that they wouldn't be wanted because of all of that. And so I'd say one of the most satisfying things for me is to be able to tell these students and students like them just how valuable and meaningful their experience is, even if a lot of it was not by their choosing. Certainly, uh, we would want to avoid a lot of these obstacles if we had a choice. But if we have dealt with these situations and continued to move forward, these are real, valid, meaningful experiences, and it creates this unique perspective that I think will serve them very well 
in their future, you know, career and personal life, but being able to let them know how wanted they are from a college admissions perspective and that their experience is valuable. I think that's been really satisfying because a lot of times if the situation, if that personal story doesn't fit the template of, you know, I went to this private school, I had parents who, you know, thankfully were able to provide a lot for us. And I had admissions counselor, I had all these different things that we think if we differ from that experience that we're somehow not good enough. And so to be able to share with the different students that they are very much good enough and that they have a unique experience and perspective to share. I really love doing that. I love it. I I couldn't agree more with you. And I'm also thinking as you, as you were talking about maybe more broadly, the, the listeners that are tuning in that, you know, of course are not maybe directly involved with Propify, but they're saying, okay, I would like to be a part of leading this new generation of leaders. Is there any advice that you can give them? Like, because you've heard what these young people have to say. So what are the things that they're missing that anybody um, in, whether it be a family member or somebody in school or maybe a boss at, at an internship or anything like that could give them to help them on their way? Yeah, I really think the most important element is just finding a connection point Because I think as we get older and we don't, if we don't have, you know, younger siblings or different, if we're not working in a school or working in some capacity where you are interacting with young people, you can feel very distant from kind of this younger demographic. And so I think finding those connection points, whether it's saying, you know, I want to, to be a mentor through this program or I'm going to volunteer, you know, once a month through this organization or offer myself as a resource for my undergrad or whatever, whatever the opportunity is, just find some way to stay connected and to get to know about these incredible individuals. Because if we just kind of focus on what we're doing, because a full-time job, you could be doing anything. And if in that life, we're not interacting with people from a circumstance that's different from ours, from an age cohort that's different than ours, et cetera. I think that's a huge disservice. And I think that the young people today, they are very open and interested in hearing from others and getting another perspective. And I think they are information, they're hungry for information that they really would like to know what else is out there. And so Of course, if you can develop a personal relationship, I think that's awesome. Uh, it's not always possible, but really finding a way to get connected with groups that are different from you. I think staying in touch with who else is in this society with us and helping prepare this next generation of leaders. And it doesn't all have to be just simply thinking about that college perspective. Of course, that's what I'm focused on. And I think it's a huge transition area and where a lot of our very talented but underrepresented students, they get dropped off. And I think that's why I focus on that area in particular. But I think just the idea of being known. And so just having any type of a relationship where a student, a young person feels like they have somebody who is older, has had these different experiences, who knows and cares about them. Um, whether it's you you meet for coffee every couple months, uh, you do a phone call, it's email, you could do it all sorts of different ways. But 
I think letting people know that others care about them and are ready to answer their questions because, my goodness, figuring out how to go through life is difficult. There's all sorts of challenges, uh, no matter who you are. And so if you can make yourself available as a resource, uh, I think that's one of the best things that we can do to help with kind of making sure that I think the, the ties within our society that we're there for each other and that we actually make an effort because these things are not inevitable. You can very much go through your life and not have that experience of helping somebody else um, from a different background. So I think it requires a level of kind of agency. You have to be very active uh, to make that happen. But I think it's so fulfilling. And just think back when you were young and what you would have liked. And I think that that, that makes it a pretty easy decision. Like, yeah, I, I definitely know that I would have appreciated this and I can find a few minutes to do it. And I think it's well worth any time invested. I think also getting outside of our bubble is always uh, a good idea. And if at the same time we're able to help somebody, it's so beneficial for everybody involved. And I think that's definitely the a right approach that people should take. And I think you touched on this a little bit, but what for you more generally speaking, are the main three things that as a leader you should focus on? Mm, this is good. So you get me kind of off the cuff uh, in terms of the three elements. I think, especially when I look back at professional experiences, I think one of the biggest elements when you find kind of a good manager or mentor, et cetera, is if you feel like they they care about you and they're willing to help you develop. And that means it's okay to say that you you weren't good enough on a certain element, but that there's some plan, there's some way that you can improve yourself, that you can get back on track, that it's somebody who isn't there just to criticize, uh, that really wants to help you to be better and is willing to, I think, be patient in that process. So I think the number one is kind of a genuine ability to care. And I think that's so critical. And I think that caring means that you have high expectations for someone that it's interesting. I don't often quote um, George H.W. Bush, um, former president here in the U.S., but uh, he had a really good quote about the <clears throat> the soft bigotry of low expectations and it's basically saying that one of the worst things that you can do for someone is expect less to say, OK, you come from this difficult background. I therefore don't think that you're capable of a higher level of achievement. I think that's so offensive. And so I think good leadership, when I talk about caring, I think it means you care and you'll actually help that individual to develop. And it means that you believe they are capable of achievement. And it's that willingness to to maintain high standards and high expectations that I think is a true form of caring. Uh, so that's kind of a long answer on <laughs> uh, kind of, I'd say, one of the number one features of leadership uh, for myself. Um, additionally, I think there's the need to take chances. So to get out there and to do something different, to take a shot not knowing exactly where it will land, but being able to say, I'm going to kind of walk into this uncharted territory and see what I can build, what I can develop, that everything doesn't have to be kind of prescriptive and, and by the book. But I think 
uh, really interesting leadership is the ability to try to go somewhere new and to say, well, what if? So kind of the, the keep dreaming, uh, perspective. And I, I really like that. So I think being able to, to try new things and importantly, not be afraid of failure. Because I think if we're always so concerned that if we, if we don't do something perfectly, well, that's a failure and, and we were better off if we never tried. I think that can be a really dangerous perspective. And I think it, it's easy, it's easy to feel that when we see that kind of, it seems like, your time is well spent if you're really good at something and that if you're not really good at something, you shouldn't be doing it. And so I think that that kind of scares people away from trying in the first place. And so I think kind of that other component, if you're willing to try new things, it's also to be okay with failure. And it really is, okay, this didn't work out. Like let's do something different and being able to put yourself out there, I think is really important. So I'd say that's probably kind of the taking chances and not being afraid of failure. I think that's probably number two. Um, and then for the third element, I think it's really making sure that you're taking other people with you. So you care about kind of the direct mentors and things like that, but also expanding beyond just your immediate network or whatever your kind of day job is in order to make yourself available and truly accessible to support others. Because I think I've, I've met different individuals and especially as somebody who is a, you know, a woman in technology or female entrepreneur, that there are some others that I've really looked up to as role models. And it's most satisfying when I can actually get some time with them and have a real conversation and get some support, even if they, you know, kind of knowing that they're not going to get something great out of this interaction, because who knows what I'm going to do if I'm going to be a great success or not. And so one of my, Kind of one of the frustrations I think has been if there's somebody that I really look up to as a role model and then you find out that they don't have time for you that because you're not going to be a significant return on investment for their time that you're not, you're not worth it. And so what I really like to do myself and what I really value in, in others who are in positions of leadership, if even beyond your own network and the people that you're helping, you continue to be available and accessible to help others. I think that that's, um, that's pretty important. And I know that time constraints can make things difficult, but really staying open to that, I think is, is pretty important. I, yeah, absolutely. And I think this, the selfish, selfishness, oh, difficult word <laughs> is, um, not only very important, but I, I've, I've found from experience that when you do things without an agenda, you sometimes are super surprised about the things that come out of it in the end that you would have never thought of. Um, and alone those, doing those things, not because you're getting something, because you generally want to help somebody else makes everybody happier, you included. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think that's definitely a, a very important approach to take. And you kind of mentioned this, like I would say in one of your in quotation mark resources is approaching raw bottles and talking to them and having a one-on-one -on -one feedback. Is there any other, anything else that helped um, you in your trajectory, be it books or tools or be it technology or people, anything that comes to mind that you can recommend to others? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so there's certainly the personal relationships. And I think that initially, as when I was younger, I thought that it was 
an annoyance if I ask somebody for their time, like, oh, gosh, they don't want to hear from me. They've got so many other important things happening, and I I don't want to bother somebody. And that was the light that I saw it in. I don't want to bother somebody. But really, let them tell you that they don't have time for it. You don't need to take yourself out of the game right from the start. And so take that chance and say, you know, could I get a few minutes? Could we do a phone call? I have these questions over email, whatever it is. Uh, but also it's, it's the idea of being persistent. Uh, I have a friend who works at a, a pretty well-known company and a lot of people try to get time on her calendar and she actually will only respond if somebody has messaged her twice. <laughs> and I think that's interesting because it's the idea that you need to continue to follow up and, and kind of show that you're serious about it. And so I would say that that's obviously kind of a, a first step. So reaching out to people that you care, um, that you would like to learn from and, and, you know, be persistent, but also respectful. You know, at the end of the day, if they don't have time, they don't have time, but um, do what you can. And that kind of also speaks to kind of a general lesson that I have learned in life, which is that you, you don't get what you don't ask for. And so whether it is, you know, more scholarship when it comes to an admissions office offer or it is an opportunity such as to have to find a great new mentor, you can't just sit back and wait for it to happen or hope, well, I've been doing all the great work. Somebody's going to notice this. And from a merit perspective, I'm going to be offered these sweet opportunities. That doesn't always happen. You really have to be your own advocate. And so you know, as long as you are respectful about a request, and by that I mean that if the answer is no, it's still okay, um, then find out what those different things are and and go for it. Because if you don't, it's quite unlikely that somebody else is going to just bring it to you. Um, And so I think that goes with uh, kind of that mentorship piece as well. But I also think for me, what I really love is I don't even need to meet them, but having role models and I really love it if I can meet them. But having role models that you can hear, you know, if it's speeches of theirs, if it's reading books of theirs, articles of theirs, we have with technology, we have access to so much information and all these different bodies of work by fabulous thinkers, whatever your kind of interest might be. And so, you know, I'm currently reading um, a book by one of my heroes that all of this stuff is available. And so finding what gets you excited? Who do you really value? You know, who are these story? Who has these stories that you want to read about? And so for me, kind of gobbling up the, those different types of mediums, I think has been really satisfying. And also, I think if you can find different events and opportunities within your community. So I know that Meetup is one organization that you can have different interests and you can kind of network with other folks that, that share that interest but finding what are those different ways that you can be plugged in. So it's good to have these kind of personal interests where you're not interacting with people, but really, you know, what are the ways that you can find others who share a passion or you can learn from? And I think those have been very helpful. Uh, you know, there's different interests that I have that I try to make an effort uh, to meet other people in the community. And I think that can also be so kind of those, the role models and pursuing those relationships and then, taking advantage of all the access to information to read about and hear from the people that we really care about. I think podcasts, honestly, a little plug for for those right now. I think that can be a great way 
to have access to these incredible pieces of thought leadership um, on different topics and and then getting involved in your community with whatever your interest might be, because I think it's it's really exciting when you find other folks who care about the same things that you do and can offer you know, uh, a different perspective. So I think there's a lot of different ways to be inspired. And I like the idea of continual learning and always growing. And I don't think that's ever going to change for myself that I, you know, I've gotten where I am today, but I still have a very long ways to go. And I'm fortunate that we have these different types of resources to help keep us informed, inspired, et cetera, as we continue on this journey. Now, I'm super interested to know, though, what book exactly by which of your own waters you're reading right now. Oh, <laughs> well, well, so it it won't resonate with everyone. Um, but Hillary Clinton, um, I, I did some volunteering with her campaign. So I'm actually reading the What Happened book. And I thought it would be a depressing read because obviously we know the outcome of um, that election. Uh, however, it has all of these different kind of vignettes and different perspectives from all of her life and basically how despite different difficulties she has continued to move forward and even if you don't agree with her politics i think that is such an imp like an impressive quality that perseverance and i think you, i probably said it a couple times on uh, during our conversation already because when i think of the students that i'm trying to help when i think of you know, my own life, when I think of all of these different things, that it's persistence and being able to essentially you might get knocked down, but you don't get knocked out, that whole idea. And so I really, really like that. And I also, uh, and I don't know how it is uh, in different countries, but with our library, we have access to all of these books for free. And so I'm actually also reading 1984 right now. Uh, and I just, I like that all this information is completely accessible. And so I, I think there's no excuse not to pursue it. Um, especially I think the matters of the world are so important that we really do need to take an active uh, role in being informed and then taking action where appropriate. I love it. Actually, I think I, I think I read 1984 in high school and haven't since mm -hmm. then, so it's been a bit, but it, I remember it was definitely a very good book. Um, I went to high school in Maryland, so close to Georgetown, mm -hmm. so I think that kind of impacted the influence of what our reading was. Um, but yeah, I love that, and I absolutely agree. I'm an avid reader, and I always say, despite also being a podcast and all these other things, books are still, um, I think, my favorite medium for really in-depth learning for when you're really quiet and... Ha, you know, have dedicated time to something over a longer period rather than just flitting from one thing to the next. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So thanks so much, Rena. It was an amazing conversation. Uh, I love your story and the trajectory you've had. And most importantly, this fact that you are so passionate about giving back and helping others lead a am similarly amazing life, I'm going to say. <laughs> and is there anything that you would like to give the listeners as a final words of advice or parting gift? <laughs> sure. Well, it's been, it's been so wonderful to talk with you. And I think that my, my parting gift is really the advice that I wish that I'd al always listened to when I was younger, but it really is that idea of you don't get what you don't ask for. So find out what are the different changes you'd like to see in your life. And hopefully some of how you see your life is 
in terms of the greater society and that impact that you'd like to have and understanding the struggles that many others are facing. And I hope that that is a motivating factor for a lot of people to see how can I reduce suffering, essentially, how can I make life better for individuals and saying, what are the different ways that I can equip myself with the skills and experiences to be effective in that? And what are the different opportunities that I can seize to help move that forward? And it really, it's just the idea of going for it. I think we already have a lot of those tools and experiences, and it's easy for us to say, well, I'm going to work on that really awesome project, but I need this first. And I am, I'm not super qualified until I've done X, Y, and Z. And I think that we don't need to continually limit ourselves and think that we can't make an impact until something is done. That I think my advice is really to go for it, to seize all of these moments and understand all of the talent and the unique voice that each of us has and making sure that we use it. And I'm excited to hear more about what some of the listeners of this podcast are, are doing because I think this, all of this is how we make a difference in this world. And I think you know, it comes to like the big question of what is life about. I think that a lot of it really is how are we impacting the lives of others? And I'm excited for the future. I really am. And so it's been a pleasure to speak with you and I'm excited about what all of us will be doing. I absolutely can agree more. And I love that this is the task for the listeners. So I'm going to give that back to them. Um, go out and ask, do something today that you've been putting off or thought you had to wait for and um, follow Rena's advice. I think it's definitely worked out wonderful for her. So there's no reason that you shouldn't do it. And um, thanks so much, Rena. It was an amazing conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, Kat. A real pleasure. Hey there. I hope you came away from that episode feeling as inspired as I was recording it. Want to learn more about today's guest? Check out the show notes for links to connect with them. And a reminder, when women support each other, incredible things happen. If the podcast has been helping you unleash the baddest boss within you, it'd be awesome sauce if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. Thanks in advance.